We're talking about practice, man. We're not even talking about the game, the actual game, when it matters. We're talking about practice. Welcome back to Talk About Practice. I'm your host, Murs. Shouts to my main man, Jay, behind the cameras, producing, and also my co-host, uh, we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Next week, we're going to have Adam State University head football coach Jarrell Harrison in the building for a quick little interview. So make sure you guys stay tuned. If you have any questions, comment them below on the YouTube. Man, we got a lot of cool shit that happened this uh, this week, Jay. Um, first off, I heard some like sad news. Jacoby is leaving ESPN after 23 years. One of my favorite sports podcasts. Jalen and Jacoby is probably no more. I'm sad about that because I really love their podcast, man. It's it's a really good show. They're animated. They have really good topics. And it's kind of like you're just chopping it up with the homies the whole time. Do you want to see Jalen get paired up with someone someone new? Would it feel like seeing your ex with someone? Or do you look uh, forward to seeing another pairing? Nah, man. I kind of liked how they did it, man. Like, they had rapport. They were, like, friends, like... uh. Their kids knew each other and things like that. So I was definitely, that's definitely going to be one of those um, shows that can't be uh, duplicated with somebody else. Yeah. However, on Jalen's Twitter last night, he posted that soundbite. We're not done. We're not done. You know how he says it like at the end of the show or right before they close out so that they have a little bit more information uh, to give off. So hopefully we get Jalen Jacoby probably off the ESPN network. And on their own, which would be good for them, in my opinion. Shouts to Jacoby, man. He put in a lot of work with ESPN, so uh, definitely happy for him. Some news with us. Again, I'm out of fantasy playoffs, so I'm kind of just playing just to play. I've been kind of trying to piss people off and picking people up off the waiver wire that I feel like people might need. And um, I don't know if it's working or not, but uh, I definitely have picked up some guys that some of these players, uh, some of these owners could use. Jay, however, is in the playoffs. He is, what, the fifth seed? I'm fourth. The fourth seed. He jumped up to the fourth seed. He actually started off pretty, like... Started off 0-4. 0-4. And went to 1-5. and And I made it to fourth seed. Won, like, six... I think you're on, like, a six-game winning streak right now? Yeah. Crazy, man. Our boy Wongo was the fourth seed, and he ended up dropping all the way to the sixth spot, which is crazy. And our, our league was actually pretty good this year. Um, the last couple of weeks... There was about about four or five of us that could have made, actually about two or three that could have made the playoffs, like the sixth playoff spot. Um, but it was tough. It came down to points, and a lot of us were 200 points off. So, But, Jay, man, what's your strategy, bro? Let us know what's going on. Okay, so first I want to uh, kind of preface my team. It was the first time during the draft that I chose to go zero RB in the first two rounds. Mm -hmm. I had pick nine. I went with Jamar Chase. And then on the snake around, I had I went and chose Cooper Cup to start with an elite wide receiver core. Mm. Super elite. I got lucky going with the Zeke and Pollard handcuff. Yes. Uh, strat. Yes. And because Pollard, as everyone knows, has popped off in the last six weeks. I also got lucky by getting Jacobs, what's his first name? Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Such a normal name, JJ. Sliding, <laughs> JJ. sliding late into the seventh round, so I got lucky with that. So a lot of fantasy, of course, is luck also. But my strategy for the playoffs is to keep an eye on my quarterbacks. I have either Tua or Daniel Jones to interchange with and just kind of scoping out, like, who, of course, who they're going to play, yeah. but like who I think is going to have a higher floor for me. I just want that guaranteed points versus, like, 
the explosion. That's what I'm kind of looking for for my team. Oh, yeah. Besides that, like, I, I have explosiveness from Jamar Chase, from Pollard, from Jacobs. Mm-hmm. They can make up for, like, maybe a lackluster play from somewhere else. So even with my flex position, I'm uh, trying to get a high floor. I have Pacheco in there at the moment. Marquise Brown, I don't trust him with. Who's throwing for the Cardinals? Deon, uh, oh, uh, ooh. Because Kyler got hurt. Yeah, Kyler's out, so I don't know who's going to be throwing at the moment, and I don't want to trust Hollywood. Other than that, for people who are also in the playoffs, if you can fit another defensive spot in your roster, right. just because you, you're going to the playoffs, you already know who you're gonna, uh, who's going to be in your rotation, just have another uh, defense just in case. Right. And then last thing is I have Justin Tucker, the greatest kicker in the game, probably of all time, but... I don't know if Tyler Huntley is going to be able to get them to field goal range that often. Yeah. So I might have to I might have to keep an eye on that as well. Just to add to the Kyler Murray injury, when well I add to it, respect. I mean, I mean, add to it, but don't hurt him. Colt McCoy is going to be the QB, so you don't trust if Colt McCoy will get the ball to Marquise Brown because they still have DeAndre Hopkins. It was funny because I actually had Marquise Brown. I got lucky. Well, I don't know if it's luck, but. I decided to get Marquise Brown and DeAndre in the draft because I knew DeAndre was going to come back eventually. It just so happened that Marquise Brown got hurt in the fifth week. So come week six, when DeAndre was coming back, I didn't really lose much power on my receiving end besides this bum trade I made with the homie. But (laughs) I actually did trade Marquise Brown to you for Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to bode for you in playoffs. Uh, I know it did well for me in the stretch, me trying to make playoffs. Zeke did really good for me, and I needed I, – I was down RBs, and I needed somebody. So people thought we were colluding. Yeah, I, I noticed. Yeah, and I was like, that's not collusion. If anything, I thought I was getting over on you with that one. Yeah. Because I gave you uh, Najee Harris, and I gave you Marquise Brown yeah. for Zeke Elliott. Who – Marquise Brown was on IR. Was on IR at the time. Uh, Harris – was getting uh, taken over by whoever was uh, his backup. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing too was Zeke was uh, he he was on an injury like he 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 injured his knee, so he was about to play with a knee brace. But anyway, uh, they thought I was colluding to help you, and then all of a sudden it switched. They're like he was colluding to help me, and I'm like, you guys don't know what you're <laughs> talking about, man. Good luck, Jay, and we'll see how you go. Thank you. There's a six hundred fifty dollar prize at the end. And second place gets their money back. So, like I said, there's been a lot that went on this week, and I kind of want to get into just some, just some information that's, uh, you know, because it not too much updates with scores or anything like that. But in the NBA, they came out with a new trophy um, for a myriad of awards. The one that kind of caught the most wave was the MVP trophy that Key is putting out. It's the Michael Jordan Trophy. Uh, the official name is the. Kia MVP Michael Jordan Trophy. It looks pretty cool. You know how people make the trophies in the rings. They're always like using certain numbers that players did or teams did to like interact with the with the hardware. So it kind of means more. Well, with the Jordan Trophy, there's a player breaking out from rock and he's reaching for a crystal basketball, so to speak. Like this is what we're coming from. Like you're you're coming from the mud to try and reach this glorified award in the NBA. Uh, so to speak. So the creator of it, the designer, whose name is Mark Smith, he's a former VP Innovation Special Projects for Nike, up with artist Victor Solomon, who's going to manufacture the trophy. They wanted to go with the raw to defined aspect, quote unquote, which you can see it in the trophy. It's the base of it is like a rock and the players coming out of it. He kind of cleans himself up uh, as you go to the top. 
and he, he's reaching for this crystal basketball. A couple of stats on the trophy. It's 23.6 inches tall and weighs exactly 23.6 pounds. 23 for Jordan's number, 6 for the amount of rings that he got. And I guess the base also has like five sides to it to commemorate like Jordan's five MVPs that he's received. And uh, also something about like a 15 degree angle with the player coming out the rock, which commemorates Jordan's 15 seasons in the NBA. I like the trophy. I don't know. Uh, did you see it, Jay? Yeah, I think it's sick. It's super dope, man. It's uh, refreshing. Very refreshing. Like, it kind of reminds me of the, the World Cup trophy with all the players reaching up for the, the, the cup. That, that thing is pretty dope. So it kind of gives me that vibe. Moving on to some college basketball. I want to talk about Chris Beard. If you're unfamiliar with Chris Beard, he's the men's basketball for the Texas Longhorns. Early Monday, he was arrested and charged with assault by strangulation and suffocation. I don't know who the woman is, but I'm assuming it's either his wife or a woman that he's seeing. Uh, it is considered domestic violence. He was booked in by Austin Police Department. The police showed up to the house. Chris Beard wasn't there. Apparently, whoever called uh, said that he had already left, and they started interviewing the woman. And she stated that she'd been assaulted and strangled. And also the police report shows or says that she was bitten as well. She's got bruises and she was thrown around the room. Uh, his bomb was set at $10,000. Obviously, he paid it off. Uh, he was asked to stay 200 yards away from the victim. He can't con contact her in, in any threatening manner. Texas, after investigating in a day, they decided to suspend Beard with no pay. But his attorney is saying that he's 100% innocent. He should have never been arrested. Uh, the charges should be dismissed. And it's interesting because there hasn't been much information that came out yet in regards to what actually happened. But it's almost hard because the fact that Coach Beard left and uh, the woman that was in there was the only one left to get to write a police report. They ended up arresting him. Um, I'm unsure if there were uh, if they released any images of her injuries or not, but this is definitely a story that uh, I want to stay close by and see what happens because there have been usually players have this situation, uh, especially in the NFL, where they're uh, abusive to women, and we've you know for the most part it's you know there's videos of it, um, there's evidence, and sometimes there isn't. And then sometimes there's cases where women are actually accusing and lying about these situations. Uh, Brian Banks is a, a very good example of that story in which he, in college, he was uh, accused of raping a woman and he ended up serving like four years or something like that. And uh, he was a high draft pick, but obviously he, he didn't get drafted. She recanted her story, said she lied, and then they released him. So I'm not saying that he didn't do nothing. I really don't know what happened, but it is interesting to say that his attorney is saying that it didn't happen. So I'm kind of like confused now, like what happened? Uh, but he's he's a good coach. He led the Texas Tech Red Raiders to the Final Four, and right now the Longhorns are currently seventh in the AP poll, so they're doing pretty good. Funny story, though, and the reason why I'm kind of even talking about this because it's like, oh, Chris Beard, who cares? No one really cares about college coaches, but... Being a UNLV fan, UNLV Running Rebels, we actually hired this dude to be our head coach uh, several years ago. And he was only on staff for 19 days. And this is the coldest move. I'm almost like I would probably would have did the same thing. This is the coldest move. Another school calls him. 
while he's already on campus with the running rebels and it was Texas Tech and they say hey we want you to be our head coach and this dude tells them can you send a plane right now so I can get out of here before the news breaks and sure enough they sent a private plane over and he flew out to Texas never to be seen again in Las Vegas and the word got out that he uh, I guess resigned from Las Vegas so his tenure with the rebels was 19 days it's probably the shortest time a coach has ever been a coach for the for the running rebels i don't even think he got to practice with the team but um crazy shit i probably would would have left too because of considering why he left he said he wanted to be closer to his daughters who live in lubbock and also he's a byproduct of bobby knight so he actually coached under bobby knight and his son um and he wanted to kind of continue that legacy uh, at texas tech the connection that I want to make here is you guys know who Bobby Knight is. He was a very aggressive coach and in some people's eyes, very violent to his players. Yeah, he was violent. He choked his players. He was throwing chairs around. He used to hit them. So as a byproduct of Bobby Knight, is it really surprising that Chris Beard is also violent? Just saying. I don't know. You know, he loves Bobby Knight and he wants to be just like him so I guess he was maybe he choked his girl just like Bobby Knight coached, uh, choked his players maybe he threw a chair at her who knows uh, and speaking of the Rebels they're actually doing pretty good uh, under Coach Kruger right now um, best start since the 1990-1991 running Rebels they're 10-0 right now uh, but that 1990 Rebels team is going to be hard to beat because they actually went 34-0 and uh, under Coach Tarkanian and that was after they won the national championship. They were on their way to win their second one back-to-back before they lost to Duke in the championship. Some of you guys might remember Grant Hill threw like a quarterback pass to Christian Leitner at the free throw line, and he hit a turnaround jumper. Um, Christian Leitner. Beep. Anyway, the question here is, should UNLV be in the top 25? Their only notable win they've had was against Dayton. They were ranked number 21 at the time on November 15th. They don't really have a tough schedule. As far as I'm concerned, that's the only ranked team that they play is Dayton. But as we get into conference play here, uh, it's pretty much just in the Mountain West who UNLV is going to play. But do they deserve to be in the top 25? They do have some solid players. Uh, one of their best players right now, Keyshawn Gilbert, uh, he is a sophomore point guard out of St. Louis, uh, Vashon High School. He's averaging 15 and a half points right now. Uh, he was ranked number 29 on 24-7 Sports. He's a three-star recruit by ESPN. They also got an Oklahoma transfer in EJ Harkless, uh, who's a fifth-year guard. He's averaging about 10 points. Uh, I'm sorry. He's averaging about 14 points a game, uh, four rebounds, and three assists. And then they have Luis Rodriguez, who's a senior guard, who's a transfer from Ole Miss. He's averaging about 13 points a game on six rebounds. I think UNLV could do some damage. Their focus should just be winning the Mountain West tournament so they can get an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. And then we'll see what they're really made of. Because right now, they haven't really played anyone, in my opinion, that would make them a consideration for the top 25. But who knows? Let's get into some NFL football. Uh, the only game I want to talk about, and I'm not trying to be biased, but uh, only worth talking about is the 49ers blowout uh, against the Bucks, against Tom Brady and the Bucks. And uh, the quarterback for the 49ers for that game is Brock Purdy. If you guys haven't known, Jimmy G was, is out on injury for a broken ankle. 
Uh, Brock Purdy led the team with 185 yards and two passing touchdowns along with one rushing touchdown. Brock Purdy looks fucking good. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I know he's like Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, he's only six feet. Probably isn't the fastest. Probably doesn't have the strongest arm. But he's uh, freakishly accurate. He has good footwork. And I think he has it here where a lot of times you can't really scout this. So I like Brock Purdy. And I, I, at this point, I don't know what we're going to do at the QB position because Jimmy is supposed to come back during playoffs. But, Jay, I kind of want to get your opinion on Brock Purdy. What do you think about him? Dude, watching the game, I've, I felt so excited because he has a different presence than Garoppolo yeah. in the pocket. Yeah. And he's willing to move around, which I was excited for because one thing that I get so frustrated about with Jimmy is once the once the first or two looks aren't there, mm-hmm. he just like shuts down and he has to like throw it away or take the sack. Right. Or he's taken too many safeties this season already. Yeah. And uh, or throw an interception. Or throw the pick. Yeah. Uh but Purdy, he's super accurate. He's fast with the processing. Um, I thought he was a little bit uh, twitchy with the footwork, but I was watching an analysis video on him. And yo, shout out to the QB school on YouTube. Like, I was, was teaching oh, they're me. fire, yeah. I was like, yo, this is what I want to learn. I'm trying yeah. to learn this type of stuff. Purdy's got it, man. I'm excited for uh, the next few weeks for I, sure. I'm super excited for Purdy as well, just because like I'm like the underdog type of play uh, player. I'm the underdog type of person. Like, I love rooting for the underdog. This is like a Rudy type of feel, like a Rudy type of vibe. And um, again, just like you said, man, I, I think he he's a pretty good quarterback from what we've seen. Now, the sample size is super small, and there's a lot of football to be played. But usually when you put your third-string quarterback in, you're like, damn, we're done. We're done. And I still think we have a chance at the Super Bowl. You know, when, when you have an offense and a coach uh, like – Coach Kyle Shanahan, Jay was mentioning it to me off air, but you just need a QB that's going to listen and do what he says. Uh, if you look at our type of team, even with Jimmy on the, on the field, he wasn't really throwing bombs like that. Uh, we let the players do a lot of the work. So he would throw like, you know, a check pass, a check down pass, or just see somebody open seven to nine yards down, maybe even 12 yards down. And in our, our offensive players, our wide receivers, our, our running backs, Christian McCaffrey, they would do the rest of the work. So I feel like Purdy is in a position where if he just plays within his own game, what he knows about the offense, and uh, you know we have a great offensive line, we have great receivers, we have great running backs, we have one of the best tight ends in the league. If he, he has all the pieces around him, if he's just patient, uh, you know, trust the process, I think he's going to do fine. I think he's going to do great. And with Jimmy coming back, I think the question is, do you go with the hot hand or do you let the veteran come back when he's healthy and help us win a championship? In my opinion, I think that we should go with the hot hand, but his hand is limited. So if he starts making some crucial mistakes, depending where we're at in the game, uh, once Jimmy's healthy, I think we could throw him in. You know, so... Uh, Jay, I don't know what you think about that, but what's your take on Jimmy G and if we should let him get his starting position back right away once he's healthy? So once you told me that he might be able to come back during the playoffs, I immediately thought of the Carson Wentz and Big Dick Nick Foles uh, situation in yes. in Philly. Yeah. And ride the hot hand, 
like, yo, you got Jimmy G coming in for you if in, if anything, like if you're doing bad or you get hurt, like that's a that's a great place to be at. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And tonight we got a. It's Thursday, and tonight we have a game against the Seahawks in Seattle. We're favored to win by three points. I'm actually kind of shook about this game. Um, you know, even though we have one of the we have the best defense in the NFL. It's always hard to play in Seattle. We don't fare well playing against Seattle. We've lost, I think, majority of the games that we've played against them in the last four or five years. So it's going to be a tough match, but I'm excited. I think we're still going to win, but I think it's going to be a close game. And like I said, it's, it's going to come down to uh, Shanahan and the offense to figure out how we're going to get points on the board uh, with a player like Purdy. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Uh, if he's eligible to play, he's questionable right now, I think with an oblique injury. So we'll see where that stands. Let's look at the playoff picture. We are, let's see, the Niners are third in the NFC. Uh, the Vikings are above us. And the only team in the NFL to clinch a playoff spot as we speak right now, right before week 15 starts, is the Eagles. The NFC isn't as tight of a race as the AFC, in my opinion. So uh, we're looking pretty solid. I think we could stay at the third spot. We can avoid playing a wild card game. Yeah, it, this, this is interesting to see. Just seeing that who's ahead of us as far as like standings go. Yeah. The Vikings, as I and you and many have said by now, are frauds. I think they're frauds too. Uh, like I like Justin Jefferson. He's probably the best wide receiver in the game. Well, maybe next to Devontae Adams. But yeah. They just they can't win games like that. They can't win close games. They shouldn't have won so many uh, close games so far. And besides that, I'm not really scared of anyone in the AFC or in the NFC besides the Eagles. Um, right. Like, I think we'll beat. We can beat the Cowboys. Everyone else that's like out a little bit outside of like that's on a little run, like the Lions or Seahawks or whoever is like you know uh, nothing to be nothing to be scared of. Is everything's in the AFC right now? For a long time, they have been the weaker. Uh, conference, but now they got it. Yeah, this this year, man, the AFC is looking strong. And like I said, like it's anybody's game in the AFC, so it's going to be fun to watch how they do in the last uh, few weeks here. But in terms of the 49ers and the NFC, um, I think we have a good chance of holding our spot. Um, I don't know if we'll catch up to the Vikings, but if we do, it'd be nice to get in that number two spot. And uh, hopefully we'll see the Eagles in the NFC championship because that actually would be a game that might be one of the best games in the season. Yeah, again, the Seahawks need this win. So they're going to be doing whatever they can to win this game so they can move outside the bubble and get inside. Because right now it's the Giants and the Commanders and they have the same record, seven wins to five losses and one tie. Um, The Seahawks are seven and six. So uh, again, anything can happen in the next several weeks, but I would like to get Seattle out of playoffs. Uh, I don't like seeing them in the playoffs because we never really do well when they're in the playoffs with us, and somehow we always get matched up. So get their asses out of here. Shouts to the Niners. Uh, I don't know if they'll cover uh, minus three points as favorites, so I'm kind of just leaving that off the board, but I know that we can definitely win this game. Taking it down a notch into college football or even just NCAA sports in general, I just kind of want to talk about the transfer portal for a little bit. It was created by the NCAA in 2018. It's basically, if you're unfamiliar, it's a database where players uh, amongst any of the sports can enter 
their name to transfer to another school and play. This isn't anything new. Players used to transfer all the time. However, it was a little bit different because you would ask your coach that if you wanted to transfer and then you would have to notify schools that you want to go to that you're available to be recruited. This kind of just makes it easier. So your name is in this portal. It can't be seen by the public. And coaches amongst all divisions of NCAA can see who's on there and recruit players that they uh, want. Like the birth of leaving your team and not staying with it, I like to say started at the young age level with AAU. Uh, Especially in basketball, it's rampant for players to try this team and they're not happy, they're not getting playing time, and they just go to another team. Um, And a lot of times... There's not much research besides just seeing how they did the prior summer. There's a lot of players that have gone into the transfer portal. This year, there's about 1,200-plus players that are in there. Uh, You can go into the transfer portal, and if you don't get picked up, you can go back to your team. However, what that does is once you're in the transfer portal, like if I was a head coach and you put your name in the transfer portal, I'm I'm recruiting to replace you already. So you can essentially come back and then fall further in the depth chart. So it gets a little bit scary when you get in the transfer portal because you're not guaranteed to go to another team. Uh, However, if you are a top recruit, three-star, four-star recruit, more than likely you're going to find another team. But players typically go to the transfer portal so that they can get an opportunity to play. Um, Some players feel like they could have played more or might not have gotten the amount of time that they wanted to play at this specific school, so they want to give another school a chance, which... For some players, it went well, and for some, it didn't. So, Jay, I don't know if you're familiar with the transfer portal at all, but as a player, do you think that it's, do you think the transfer portal is something that is actually helping players more, or is it giving them too much control with their destiny uh, and sometimes can backfire on them? I think it's good for players. I think it might especially be good for players who maybe blossomed a little bit later yeah. than some uh, some early talents. Like, let's imagine if, I don't know, uh, Brock Purdy entered his name into the portal yeah. earlier and then some a bigger school got to see him. Right. They take him onto the team. He plays a little bit more in a bigger limelight. And then now, all of a sudden, he goes from Mr. Irrelevant that we know him now. He could have been like a second round pick. True. It could have, True. It could have played out that way. So I think it's good for players in that type of situation. But what I don't like is what I, and what I could see evolving into is it turns into like a rich getting richer type of situation where yeah. big schools are just getting fed good players year round right outside of like the recruiting time exactly something that i also noticed with the transfer portal is it affects high school players a lot because when you have like 1200 players in the transfer portal that have experience playing college uh even if they didn't play much they know what it's like to be a college player i mean you're getting up early you have, you're on a schedule day in, day out, and you're playing at a higher level than high school. So a lot of times coaches will look into the transfer portal, and they might pick players from the transfer portal versus a player from high school just because of the experience. So now as a high school ball player, you got to have – you're like not even top 100. You got to be like top 25 if you want to get your chance at a school that's going to let you play right away because most of the time you have – players coming out of high school and they're like third or fourth in the depth chart. You know, uh, we've had one of the top tight ends in Vegas uh, just a couple years ago 
And, you know, when he went to, to college, um, he was like third or fourth in the depth chart. And you have to work for your spot, which is like anything in life. You got to work for your spot. Uh, you know, he didn't get to play much, but he was able to play. But it's not like you're the guy, you know. And most of the time when you get to college, you realize real fast that you're not the guy that you were in high school. Okay, so don't let Gatorade Player of the Year, like, get to your head. Don't let, you know, top 100 ESPN get to your head. You're amongst grown-ass men, grown-ass women that are, you know, fighting to keep their spot. And they have experience in college. So as a high school kid, I think it affects them greatly when you have the transfer portal and you got all these college kids that are moving around because schools are looking at the transfer portal you know, right away, even if they've already recruited you, you've already signed and you're committed, doesn't mean that you're going to get that spot, you know. So to me, the transfer portal is great for, for student athletes at the college level. It kind of hurts high school athletes trying to get into college. Uh, but I think it might even open up uh, lower leagues, such as the, the junior college level, because now kids are trying to get the experience. They can go junior college, play for a great national JUCO school, become an All-American there, and then maybe they were, like, only getting recruited by mid-majors in high school. After that one year of college, they're getting recruited by Power 5 schools. So it could change your route a little bit. But if you just stay headstrong, uh, I think that, and you use it correctly, the transfer portal could be of use for you. Yeah, and I feel like what that would lead to is, like, a, a bit more of maturity for players as they enter the league. Yeah. Because I feel like lately... Rookies will come in and they're like a little bit on the uh, green side. But if you're a little bit more seasoned with the having to stay in college for maybe a bit longer than you expected, I think it makes for an overall better game uh, when it comes to the NBA or uh, or NFL. NFL. Yeah, true. I agree with that. Or, or you might not even play at all. Or you not. Or just, that. Yeah. <laughs> and, speaking, and speaking of not playing, man, let's move into the World Cup. Uh, this is just a question. It's a general question that I was thinking about. Uh, is it? Worth being in the World Cup if you're not playing at all. Like, you're not on the field. You're not on the pitch at all. And I want to kind of get your take first, Jay, on this. What do you think about that? Damn, dog. To make it to the World Cup and not and to not play at all, In on one side, like, yeah, you, you're competitive, you're passionate for the sport, and it's a little heartbreaking. But I think what might overtake that is, like, I'm here at the highest level. I'm representing my country. I'm here just in case, you know, some of the top players like have to sit out. But uh, if I'm playing, then maybe it's not a good look for our team overall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you're playing, right? Now, I mean, I put it this way, like, I I was, uh, (laughs) this is crazy because like you you could take it so many ways, but I might be the player that's just happy to be there. You know, you're in a different country, you're, you're, can't even say you're playing in the World Cup because you're not. But you're on a team. You're on a national soccer team. Uh, there's, I think, only 25 spots, roster spots, on each national soccer team competing in the World Cup. So you're amongst very few men that are playing for uh, essentially your nation to be the best in the world. Um, whether you get on the field or not, I think you should take it as, like, um, honor to be – even involved in the World Cup, in my opinion. Does it suck? Yeah, especially when you feel like you could help your team. Just like the situation in Portugal with Ronaldo. You know, he's like one of the world's best, but he hasn't, wasn't playing very well. So 
the the kid behind him got his chance, and he ended up playing and starting over Ronaldo in the knockout uh, rounds. So I don't know. It's it's a weird place to be in as an athlete, especially if you're an athlete killing it in other leagues, and then you get to the World Cup and you're not playing. It's something that you're not used to. In my opinion, I think it's worth it, whether you're playing or not, to be at the World Cup. I think this just points to two different types of athletes. One, like, are you passionate to play? Or two, are you just a competitive, passionate person to win? Yeah. I think growing up, I was on teams, I was on both types of teams, one that went undefeated and one that went totally defeated. (laughs) And I hardly played on the teams that went undefeated, but those were fun times to to be winning and getting to play in those little time slots I was able to. And the times where I had to play a lot and we went and we lost all them games, like, you know, that's not a fun time at all. True. Uh, so I think I lean towards I would, I'm just happy to be here, coach. Yeah, and I feel you on that too because I played on a team that went to the state championship. Uh, I didn't get to play that much. I did feel like some usage as a player on that team. I did feel some usage, especially in practice. And I made practices like my games. Like those were my playoff games was practice. And we had one of the best point guards in the state. So having to go up against him in practice was not fun. <laughs> at all that shit was not fun but it made me a better person uh it taught me how to just fight for my spot no matter what uh and to me it kind of gave me that underdog attitude that I'm always about where no matter who's ahead or who has the skills and ability to be the best I feel like I can compete with them just as long as that I do my best at, at for myself so yeah I agree with you there man um it was definitely fun to be on a team that's winning all the time even if you're not on the court uh, as much but when I did get on the court bro trust me if I was wide open at the three I was shooting it yeah I was encouraged to shoot I and was shooting it something bro. that uh stuck with me from that time is um and I don't even know how much it applies here but hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard yeah 100% man and uh just to kind of I, I actually took stats for myself because I, I didn't <laughs> have much right yeah so when I did play <laughs> I averaged three and a half points a game when no, I did play I mean if you went to state and you and that probably equates to a really small playing time in minutes. Yeah. 3.5 is good, dude. It's good, bro. It's good. because <laughs> That's is, more than one bucket. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's only like six games, I think it was, or like seven games. I kind of went in when we're up like 25, when it's safe to put me in. But, like, I always made a three, and I've somehow got to the free throw line. And that was, like, what I did, man. And what did, <laughs> what did uh, Coach say? Like, yo, Marion, take the shot. You know what? I never got the green light for that. I just did it. <laughs> respect i just did it because we we ran the flex offense so sometimes you come off the screen uh you come from you come off the down screen coming up to the three-point line and if my guy was trailing behind me i was like either going to the elbow to shoot or if he got caught on the screen i was catching and shooting the three wow yeah and i wasn't a bad shooter at the time like uh i know my friends might say something different but uh, i did practice shooting a lot so i was comfortable with shooting the three ball and um yeah, man, I averaged like three and a half points. It was like 3.35 or some shit like that. Nice. It was something crazy, 3.3 points. But uh, I kept my stats, man. It was like seven games. <laughs> I would have done the same. All, bro. Yeah. I didn't play one lick of playoffs, though, which is probably the World Cup to me. Yeah. But, man, it was fun. But, shit, man, while we're talking about it, the World Cup final is, is on Sunday. Um, and if you're listening to this and the game hasn't happened yet, France and Argentina will be playing for the World Cup. 
Uh, France and Argentina are both seeking for their third World Cup championship. France uh, could win a back-to-back. They won the last World Cup. Um, it's a pick. Uh, I, I checked the, the betting boards yesterday, and um, I, I just went for France. Obviously, I'm going for France to win the whole thing, but it's a pick, man. It's a close one. Mbappe and Messi. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I think we're both going for – oh, no, you're going for Brazil, right? I was going for yeah. Brazil uh, initially, but, uh, again, Croatia just keeps messing with me, man. Yeah, they keep messing with you. So what, you going for Argentina or are you going for France? I'm going for France. Okay. Sp- spiritually. Okay. But watching Messi, like, this man is too clean. With He's it. nice, man. He's nice. I like Mbappe. I think he could create his his own goals. Um, and France doesn't really rely on that too much because they're such a balanced team. But I think and I think Argentina sometimes relies on Messi too much. But then again, you know, I think like I said, I think it was last episode or a couple episodes before. Let's get it to like a tie. Let's get like two scores each. Let's get a tie going into um, the end of the game and uh, a sudden death match and like two hours of overtime. <laughs> yeah, let's run it up. Let's run it up, man. Good luck to everybody in the World Cup. It's been an amazing World Cup this year, and I hope to see France on top. Thanks for joining us here on the fifth episode of Talking About Practice. Again, next week we have Jarrell Harrison, head football coach of Adams State University, who'll be joining me. And uh, we'll be chopping it up, man. So we'll see you guys then. We're not even talking about the game, the actual game, when it matters. We're talking about practice. 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 Uh.